thank you for being Jehovah Jireh. We thank you for being our provider. God, we're just so grateful on tonight. We thank you for being our healer because you are the God who have healed us, meaning that we are already healed even in the midst of what's going on. So we just give you glory. We give you honor and we give you praise on tonight. God, you said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you have delivered us out of them all. So God, we are already delivered on tonight, God. So we just walk into our deliverance, God, and we just thank you, Father. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the blood he shed for the remissions of our sins. Father, I just thank you, God, for Clem School of Ministry. I thank you, Father God, for how you're teaching your people to go out, God, and possess the land. I just thank you. I honor you. I glorify you. I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And God, you shall get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Didn't that test just blow your mind? Amen. Ready or not. I think that y'all should have been ready because we have went over this, what, it's been three weeks. So you should have been ready and you should have been expecting that something was coming. Amen. So we thank God for the word, but I want you guys to know that um, Sunday when I was teaching on uh, urgency um, to win the loss, 911 was your emergency, the loss, and it is the loss. It is time for us to get in our positions and go out and decree and declare what Jesus have already done on our behalf, on the behalf of others that do not know him like we should know him. And we should not want, we should not want anybody to be lost. Amen. So this is the purpose of Clem School of Ministry to teach us on how to go out and minister unto others, how to make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. And I do believe that what you're getting It helps you to understand um, the pattern and the way that God does things. And what I love so much about our father, he don't want any loss. He wants all to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's what I want. And I know that's what you want. So make sure that don't take these teachings lightly because we can't just keep it amongst ourselves on the inside of here. All of us, if we're born again, we want to go out and make sure that Other people accept what we have, that gift of salvation. It's up to us to give it to them. So sometimes we talk amongst each other. We talk about what God is doing, how God has done it in our lives. But it's some people out there that don't know how good God is because we know that the goodness of God leads to repentance. So tonight I'm just going to go a little bit further. Some of this stuff we went over, but I want everybody to understand that how God want the church to be set up because we don't want to do anything in Miracle Temple outside of the word of God. And my prayer has been that I want this church to be a church that um, people can come into and it patterns God's way of doing things. That is not a struggle for us. We're just walking in it. We're living it. And when people come in, they, they will see how God want things to be set up and how it should be orchestrated. So we want to make sure we're doing everything according to the word. We want to make sure it's not about us. That's one thing I can say. It's not about us. We have been crucified. It's all about him. We are out here to get the work done that he has given us to do. 
And we know in here every joint supplies. So we don't want to try to be better than anybody else or try to make somebody else look little and we look big. Everybody has a part to play in the body of Christ. You may not play the part I'm playing, but when we come together, we're making up one body. And that's the most important thing. So don't look at people because you say, oh, they speak um, well. They, they do this well. I can't do this. You can do all things through Christ which strengthen you. And the most important thing is when you get the word of God on the inside of you, and you begin to open your mouth, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to speak through you and speak for you. You shouldn't have to second guess what you're going to say. Because when you stand in front of people and you go boldly to a person that's lost, when you open your mouth, whatever you have in you is going to come out of you. But you can be assured that you have the Holy Spirit who's there to help you with whatever that person needs. Because the Lord was telling me today, he said, I know what, people are in the need of before they ask. It is not for no one in this room to try to determine before we go up to a person what we think that need is. This is why you have the gifts of the spirit. When you have the gifts of the spirit and you walk up to people, God know what they're in the need of even before they ask. If they need finances, they need healing, whatever they need, God already know because he created us. We didn't create ourselves. He know our thoughts are far off. He, you know, he's a discerner of thoughts through the word of God. Once we start speaking that word, it's going to hit those places where they're hurting. And if we understand, if we understand that we're led by the spirit of God, and it's not us. We should have let the Holy Spirit lead us. And don't just say something because somebody else said something the other day. Just so you can be a part of what they're doing. You want to be a part of what God has already done. You just want to walk in it and you want to live it out. And that's just how simple it is. It is not about us. It's all about him. Yesterday, um, me and my husband, we went to the mall in which um, this... Um, I'll just put it this way. We went to the mall and I was standing up there and it was this nice lady. She was so sweet. And um, I was waiting in line and she said, I can help you if you don't mind and you don't have to wait. I said, sure. So as she was ringing up my stuff, I said, I looked at her and the Lord began to minister. And he didn't say that much. So as I kept looking at her and when she finished, I said, do you mind if I give you a word from the Lord, she said, no, not at all. And as the Lord began to speak, tears just filled her eyes. And she said, thank you. Thank you so much. See, we have to understand that no matter where we are, we are ambassadors for him. It ain't about what we want to do, when we want to do it, or being in a rush with what we do. Every time you go through the mall, you have to say, Holy Spirit, lead me to those that are in here that need you. Because some people don't even know that they're lost, y'all. They think that they're okay. So God will get all up in their business. He'll tell them a little, a uh, few things and they'll be like, oh my God, how did you know that? Oh, I know that's God. Yes, ma'am, that's God. And God sent this word especially for you because God loves you so much. So God know what to do and how to do it. We need to get out of our comfort zone. It's people out here dying early some people don't even have to die early but some people give up even in the midst of what they're going through and they just go on but I don't know about you I want to finish the work that God has given me to do down here so when I stand before him whatever he laid in my hand he could say well done my good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the Lord so every day 
we need to think beyond us. God put us on this earth to help others. He gave us the gifts. He gave us the fruit. It wasn't for us. It's for us to go out and help others and to bring forth that fruit so they'll know what kingdom we're from. So everything that you're getting is just not to come in here and pass a test. It's not about head knowledge. It's about taking this word, hearing the word, and being a doer of the word and say, God, give me the zeal. Give me that burning desire to go out and witness to the lost. You don't have to be an evangelist to have, you know, that call on your life to go out and witness to the lost. All of us can evangelize, but it don't mean that we are an evangelist because a person that is an evangelist, they never hush. Y'all know how Kathy Newton do. She just don't hush. She want to make sure that they get the word. You know a true evangelist. They just, yeah, 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 yeah. I heard you the first time. And then it gets so deep. It's like they whooping you behind. And I'm like, you all right. You all right. I know you. I know you. You want to make sure that word is drilled. You just want to make sure. You will know an evangelist because they'll keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on. Because it's a burning desire in their heart. But we can evangelize. We may not do it like she would do it or have a call on her life, but we do it to let people know you do need him. Sometimes people don't think they need some of us Christians, say folk, we don't think we need him. We think we got everything covered. As long as people are loving me, as long as money is in the bank, as long as, you know, I have a house, I have a car, my kids are okay. I'm okay. That's thinking in like the world. That's being carnally minded. And where con- when you're carnally minded, that's death. But when you begin to be spiritually minded, that is life and that is peace because you don't know one day from the next when the tables turn. When you think everything is okay and all of a sudden those tables done turned on you and you sitting there questioning God, say, folk, God, what, what's happening? What did I do for this to come into my life? What did you not do? You know, so we have to understand every day we have to say, God, I want to live this day the way you orchestrated this day for my life. So what I've been t- asking the Lord, I said, Lord, you already have plans for me in this day. So I want to live out this day according to your plan, not according to mine. Everything that you already have written about me in the day, that's what I want to live in this day. I don't want to go into tomorrow. Because tomorrow's not promised, God. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live out this day. And whatever you want me to say and however you want me to say it, whatever you want me to see, whatever you want me to do in this day, Holy Spirit, help me so I can do it in this day. Whomever you want me to reach in this day, Holy Spirit, help me to reach them in this day. I don't want to go beyond what you have already orchestrated for me. And that's when you don't have to deal with all this worry. You don't have to deal with all this stress because you have already been before the Father and say, this is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it because you already know what's going to happen in this day. So I'm checking in with the kingdom. When we check in with the kingdom, we won't be checking out. Check in with the kingdom and see what the kingdom is up to. See what the heart of God is for you to, on, in the day that you're in. Instead of rushing, getting up, going to work, rushing through work, coming home, cooking, then going to bed and starting it all over again. How can you enjoy the day that God has made? God wants us to enjoy what he has given us. He wants us to have peace even in the midst of the storm. 
And the more we get to know him, the more we go into his word. I'm telling you, y'all, the word will quicken you. The word will bring you life. Because the flesh profits nothing. When you're walking in the flesh, you're not profiting nothing from the flesh. But when you're walking in the spirit, I mean, you feel so alive. You feel like you can conquer anything because you know you're in the spirit. But in the back of your head, you're like, this is too much peace. God, everything that's going around, I'm just at peace. I'm at rest even in the midst of it. So you know you're in his presence. So this is what God wants from us, Clem. If we're coming in here every Tuesday to get taught the word of God, you can't just pick it up because you think you got a test. You need to pick it up every day. You need to keep the word before you and say, Holy Spirit, show me how to minister what I'm learning. Give it to me the way you know I need it. I know the word don't change, but you know how I am. I might just say a few words, Holy Spirit, but those words are going to reach somebody. I might not say it like apostle. I might not be long-winded like apostle and evangelist Newton and Athea Lofton. I may not be long-winded like Manny, but I can say a little something, something, right? See, when you long-winded, it's because of what's in you and it's coming out of you and you just can't turn it off. You just can't shut it, shut up. When I first started, God is changing my whole teaching. When I first started in ministry and um, the pastor had called me up and said, you know, Amanda, um, she's going to minister to us today, right? I'm like, oh, really? I got up and I stayed up there not even a good five minutes. After I sat down, the gentleman come up to me. He said, I learned in those five minutes what what I need to know because I wasn't going beyond what was there. We can't make up nothing just to stand behind a pulpit. You only going to bring out what's already in you. The land that you have searched is what's going to come out of you. If you have not done any studying, you ain't done any searching, you're not in the word the way you need to be, you're going to come up with the same old stuff. And people are going to know where you've been. But there should be revelation on top of revelation on top of revelation. There should be some change within the 20 years you've been saved. Your life should reflect where you've been and what you've been searching. And if your life has not changed, if you got the same snobby attitude, if you got the same curse words coming out your mouth, if you acting the same the way you did last year and you telling me you in this word, something is off and I know it's not what's written. There should be change in us, y'all. We grow in grace. We should have change in us in some areas in our lives. So this is why we're getting taught. We have to understand God's way of being taught. Some people think, well, I'm the church. I don't need nobody to teach me. You out of line because that's not what the word of God says. The Bible do say that we do have the Holy Spirit, the anointing, which will teach us all things. But you got to be put up under a teacher. You got to be put up under, you know, the fivefold, like the word of God says, so you can be taught. The Holy Spirit is there to bring back to your remembrance what you have learned. He's there to reveal. He's there to make known. But God has an order. And we want to follow his order and not man's order. Man's order is whack. It's all out of order. It's not in alignment with what God doing. I have learned through the years when a young child come up and they can quote Bible verses and they can get up and dance before the people. And by the way, when people say shout, they were shouting. Shouting is with your mouth. Dancing is with your feet. So they say, oh, there was up in there. There was this shouting. They consider this shouting. This is not shouting. See, we're in error. 
Why? Because we learned that all our lives. They were shouting. So you're like, shouting? What you mean shouting? They were hollering loud. They were dancing. See, sometimes we go on what people say, but we don't have an understanding. So they get these little children, and children will mimic what you do. They will mimic it so well. I'm telling you the truth. I got a little granddaughter, Jada. Pray for Jada. She's a fighter. But I say, Jada, let's praise Jesus. Let's just praise Jesus. I don't care if she's running around, y'all. She'll stand up and do like this. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. God, you're good. Holly, close the little eyes and wave her hand. <laughs> then the next thing I know, she turned back into the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> but she know how to do it. And then, and now I'm not lying. She even started speaking in tongues. Did she not? Started speaking in tongues, and then next thing I know, she done knocked three kids down. (laughs) Y'all laughing, but some of us Christians, it's the same way. The same, and she didn't learn that from me, no. (laughs) She might have got this right here from me, Ma. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I was holding her in my lap when I was keeping her, I was going off in tongues. She said, Me, Ma, hush. I said, you don't tell me to hush. I started speaking in tongues again. She said, hush. Did you hear me? Hush. I said, oh, them tongues is doing something to you, baby. I'm going to keep speaking in them tongues. They know. Y'all, they really know. And they watch you. And when you get that relationship with them, they don't want to leave your house. She passed by the house screaming and hollering, stop me to me, Ma's house. No, don't do it. But I love both of them, but they have a way of watching what you do and how you, y'all, I'm telling you, we supposed to reflect him at all times. No matter what the situation is, we supposed to reflect him at all times. Even if we got to step away from the situation and go in a bathroom stall and look up and say, God, I want to reflect you. But right now, I don't know what to do. You're going to him and you're asking him and all of a sudden. The heavens is open and you can feel the presence of God come upon you. And when you come out of that stall, you're a total different person. You're not the same person you were when you went in the stall because you bowing down, you humbling yourself to him. And you saying, God, this is not about me. It's about what you want to do in me and through me, God. Just show me what to do because I don't know what to do. So our dependency is on him, and we, as Clem students, need to depend on God more than we depend on everything else. And y'all, this word is so important. The word of God is so important, and we don't take it like it's important. When our employers tell us, this is what I want you to do, I want you to learn about this job. I want you to learn everything. This is part of your assignment, and I expect for you in two weeks to come back to me and tell me about this job. Y'all, we don't want to be bothered. We get up with the booklet. We lay down with the booklet. But when it comes to the word of God, we don't pick it up like we're supposed to, and this is our lifeline. Because the word is what's going to help you on the job. When you get in a sticky situation, if you're reading the word of God and all of a sudden you want to bow up, you hear the Holy Spirit say, study to be quiet. See, the word is going to help you more than anything. But we make this the least of everything. 
And we find excuses not to get in here. But when when you see everybody else doing everything, now you want to minister to somebody, but you ain't got no word in you to minister with. So it ain't doing nothing to that person. But somebody can get up and say, God say he love you. And all of a sudden they start trembling. But you get up and say a whole paragraph and they ain't moved. Because it's knowledge in your head. It's not what's coming from your heart. So we can't be full. And sometimes we pick up sayings that other people say. Because that's what we learn from. But that's not what the word of God is saying. It's what we have learned. That's why we have to search the scriptures for ourselves. Don't take what I'm saying. I'm not going to lie to you. But go back and say, God, give it to me the way that I can receive it. The way that I know how to bring it to your people. And God will do it when he know your heart. We got to quit being lazy and slowful. And it's time now we have to get into this word because someone would tell you what to do. But after a while, you ain't even hearing what they're saying because you don't have nothing to hold on to. But when you hold it on to the word, you make a, a connection with the power of God. And when you make that connection with the power of God, it's just like a car getting jumped. That power is connecting to that car and that car begin to turn over because it's got a connection, that battery. If we don't connect to the word, the Holy Ghost can't give the, put the power to it. So we got to connect, y'all. So this year, let's connect to everything that God is giving us in this house because we're going to need it. I'm going to need it. You're going to need it because we never know what we're going to be faced with. So when we call on him, we're calling on him because we know he is our helper. He is our comforter. He is everything that we need. I can't do it myself. I'm committing my thoughts over to you, God. I'm trusting also in you, and you're going to bring it to pass. I'm committing my works over to you, God. I'm rolling it over because I trust you. That's where we got to be. So it's time for us to wake up. And say, God, this has to be first. God, if I don't get up for five minutes every morning, I want those five minutes. And when you get those five minutes and you are sincere, guess what? You're going to wake up early. You're going to go to bed early. You're going to begin to wake up early. And you're going to say, God, I want more. I want more because what I felt yesterday, God, I want to add to that. But we have to make an effort. God is not going to make you get into word. He's not, but the enemy is going to put everything before you to keep you from getting in the word. Where we need to be, people are not. When we need to be in Bible study, when we need to be in the house of God on Sundays, people are not. Because guess what? Sports is taking people out of the church on Sundays. People are choosing sports over the word of God. That is the enemy. And if we are where we need to be with God, we'll say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, not serve man. We're going to serve God. You're not going to pull me out of the house of God for my child to play sports. Who does that? The world does that. But when the world is sinking, who, where did the world come to? The church. So it's time for us, y'all, to rise up. Saying all that to say this. Now we're going to the teaching. Hallelujah. I guess the Lord said that's, that's all of that, folks. This is where I'm going to start tonight. And I'm going to make it short and sweet. I want to talk about 
um, we were dealing with the apostles. We were dealing with the Holy Spirit in, the Holy Spirit coming upon. And the reason why we were dealing with that is because I'm going to go back to where Jesus, y'all knew and knowing the word of God that when Jesus um, came forth, he was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And as he was saying that, he began to get his followers. He began to make disciples. And we know that those disciples, which are followers of Jesus Christ, they left what they were doing and they followed him. But they had to be taught. So a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple is a learner of Jesus Christ. So they had to be taught by him for the time that they were with him. Now, this is where I'm going. In Luke 6, verse 12 through 13. We're going to talk about tonight discipleship and um, go from there because I want to make sure all of us are on one accord. Luke 6, 12 through 13, I'm reading the Amplified. Now in those days it occurred that he went up into a mountain to pray and spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he summons his disciples and selected from them 12 whom he, need, whom he named apostles, special messengers. Let me go back to verse 12. In verse 12, it said that Jesus went into a mountain and he began to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Why did Jesus spend the whole night in prayer with God? Because he had a lot of followers. He had a lot of learners of Jesus Christ. So out of all those, he had to pick 12 to be apostles. Those 12 was going to be the apostles of the lamb. So this is what I'm saying. In churches today... There is no prayer to see what is amongst you to put people in the position that God has for them to be in. Jesus prayed all night before he chose those 12. Why? Because he went to the Father. There need to be more leaders. There need to be more pastors, apostles that's in prayer seeking the Father and saying, who is amongst us that I need to put in this place? That's what Jesus did. We know when he chose the 12, it was one out of the 12, which, you know, he betrayed him, but he was chosen. What am I saying? I could have chose one of you guys and y'all betrayed me, but that didn't mean that God didn't choose, chose you to do the work that he called you to do. So we can't look at people that when they falter or when they fail, we can't say, now that was not God. No, this is what they chose to do. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. But it's what we do with those mistakes is how we um, overcome whatever we're going through. And the only way we can overcome it is through the word of God, through repenting and turning from that and having a change of mind. So we see that after Jesus prayed all night, he chose the 12. But what I want you to see in verse 13, and when it was day, he summons his disciples. So you see that it was a lot of disciples before him, right? He summons his disciples and selected from them 12. So what I'm saying is everybody is not called to do what every other people do. Some people choose people by them knowing the word of God. Anybody can know the word of God. That don't mean they're a pastor. You have to hear God because he's the one that lets you know who need to do what. How in the world you got people that's behind the pulpit that's not led by the Holy Spirit but led by a piece of paper. 
writing down what they think they should say to hype up the crowd. No, you have a helper. You have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to help you and teach you where you don't have to have, okay, let's, let's, let's say a hallelujah on that. Can I get a witness on that? Yeah, he's good. Ain't he good? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, he is. Uh Uh-huh. Now, did you hear what I said? Uh Uh-huh. See, they do all of that to hype up the crowd. And see, people are uh, are put people in position based on how hype they can get the crowd or how they walk or how they talk or how they do this or how they look. But God looks at the heart. God told Jesus, these are the 12 that I want to be the apostles. So Jesus chose the 12. And that's what I want everybody to understand tonight. Just because somebody got a title in front front of their name does not mean that they were chosen of God. They could have been chosen of man because man put them in place because of what the banks say. Or because how they feel about that person. We do not want to do that. We want to make sure that everybody's in the right place that they need to be in. So we see those disciples were learners. They were followers of Jesus Christ. And it was a lot of them, but he chose 12 from those disciples. So we go into Acts 1, verse 20 through 25. We went over this too. And I'm reading out the Amplified. This is what was happening. Remember we talked about the Holy Spirit coming upon them. We know in John 20, Jesus um, breathed on them. The Holy Spirit began to indwell them. That was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But then in Luke 24, 49, I believe, he was telling them to go to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in the upper room and be endued, be clothed with power from on high. So that upon coming upon them is the power of God to go out and do the work, the service of God. So we see here that Jesus in Acts 1, no, before um, they got endued with that power from on high in Acts 2 and Acts 1, y'all know what happened to Judas Iscariot. He lost his position. So this is what they were doing before they can even be endued with power. They had to have 12 apostles. But this is how they did it. Verse 20. Acts 1.20, for in the book of Psalms it is written, let his place of resident become deserted and gloomy, and let there be no one to live in it, and again, let another take his position over seership. So they had to find someone to take um, Judah's position, and this is how they did it. So one of the other men who had accompanied us, apostles, during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us. So what they were saying, the only one that can fill this position is the one that has been with us since the time that we were with Jesus. And they started here with, so one of the other men who had accompanied us, apostles, during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us. So they had to choose a man. That was with them the whole time Jesus was with them. That was the qualification. And then it says, from the baptism of John at the outset until the day when he was taken up from amongst us, one of these men must join with us and become a witness to testify to his resurrection. It could not be in and everybody. The apostles of the Lamb are the the ones that witness Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. The one that was with Jesus the whole time, the whole time that Jesus was on earth, it had to be the one that was walked with him. 
the one that witnesses death, burial, and resurrection. It could not be any other way. So this is what they said in verse 22-23. And they accordingly proposed, nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Mathis. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know all hearts, their thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, purposes, and endeavors, indicate to us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and receive the position of an apostle from which Judas fell away and went astray to go where he belonged to his own proper place. So what did they do? They prayed to the Father. They said, Father, you're going to have to let us know out of these two, who do we choose to take his place? Because they needed the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So they began to pray to the Father. So I want to ask you something. What's going on with the church? If If they're praying to the Father and saying, show us who need to be in this position, then why some churches are not asking God who need to be in the position, but putting people in the position outside of what God is saying? That's not God's order. That's not God's way of doing things. So we know that they had chosen who was going to be in that position. And as they had chosen the ones that was go- the one that was going to be in that position, then they were all on one accord. They were in one place. Then y'all know they were endued. They were clothed with the power on high. Now they're ready to go forth as the apostles of the lamb. There will never be any more apostles of the lamb. Never will be. This is why people say the apostles have passed away. The apostles of the lamb have passed away. Those have those that have witnessed witnessed the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They are gone. It is not another apostle around here. If they tell you I have witnessed it's death, burial and resurrection. Oh, really? Because they done gone. So I don't know how you witness anything. They gone. They just out of here. So which one are you? So don't, don't fall for that. So this is why I say they're, they're gone. Those are the ones that have witnessed everything. These are the ones that he said, I want you to take this foundation and lay it. That's why it's written in the Bible. Because everything was built upon the apostles and the prophets. They're, the ones they're talking about is the apostles of the Lamb, according to Ephesians 2.20. See, people are getting it mixed up. They were, would go out and lay this foundation. And guess what they were going out and doing? Let's go to Acts 2, 37 through 42. Acts 2, 37 through 42. And it says, Amplified. Now, when they heard this, they were stung, cut to the heart. And this is what happened. Let me give you a little brief summary. Y'all already know. Y'all know Peter, the one that denied Jesus three times. This old Peter, he began to have some Holy Ghost boldness because he was endued with power from on high. So Peter got up and he began to tell about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He began to bring the gospel, the good news concerning the kingdom. And after he done this, it said that their hearts were pricked. See, this is what the gospel is supposed to do. We don't supposed to make up nothing just to fake it to make it. We're supposed to bring forth the good news, the gospel concerning the kingdom. And guess what? The Holy Spirit will release the power. He will be the one to convict, just like it says right here. Now, when they heard this, this, they were stung, cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, special messengers, brother, brethren, what shall we do? 
And Peter answered them, repent, change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of and release from your sins. And you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and for you and your children and to and for all that are far away. And even to and from as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself. Now, I'm going to skip and go down. Well, I don't want to skip verse 40. It's good. And Peter solemnly and earnestly witnessed, testified, and admonished, exhorted with much more continuous speaking, and warned, reproved, advised, encouraged them, saying, I like this part. Be saved from this crooked, perverse, wicked, unjust generation. This is what they need to be saved from. Therefore, those who accept it and welcome his message, remember it said those who accept it. So it could have been more than 3,000 were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 42 is where I'm going. And this is where we miss it as a church. Remember the apostles are the ones that's laying the foundation. There's no other foundation that need to be laid except the foundation that these apostles and prophets already laid, right? So what they did after Peter got through doing all this, they accepted um, the message. They believed it was 3,000 souls, but this is what needed to happen next. Now they're ready to be taught. They need to be learners now. They need to be followers now of Jesus Christ, and someone has to do it, right? And guess who the ones that were doing it? And, st- and they steadfastly preserved, devoting themselves constantly to the instructions and fellowships of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper and prayers. Okay, who were they up under? The apostles. Why do people think that you don't need somebody to be up over you as they are up under the Lord. People think, I don't need to be taught. I don't need nobody to teach me nothing. That tells you that you do need to be taught. I know everything. I've been saved for 20-some years. You can't tell me nothing. Okay, then, hey, go on about your business. But this is what they did. They stayed up under the teaching. They stayed up under the doctrine of the apostles. Why? They had to be taught so they could go out and make disciples. You cannot make disciples until you become a disciple. People are skipping over discipleship, and they're going in to try to put people as pastors, as apostles, and they don't know nothing about disciples. Soon as a prophet come in and say, oh, you a prophet, and apostle Amanda know it. Oh, you an evangelist, and she know it. No, you need to be made a disciple regardless of what the call is on your life. You would get to that point, but if you can't get to discipleship and be a disciple what good are you going to be as a pastor because you got to help those that's coming in don't make no sense as my granddaughter said it doesn't no sense we got too many people trying to get positions as pastors get positions as evangelists and won't even go out and disciple nobody because you don't know how to disciple nobody but you're ready to tell somebody something from the pulpit don't make no sense Ignorant gone to see. Never seen such mess in my life. You have to disciple. And if you can't go out and disciple and do what the word of God is telling you to do, why are you sitting there waiting on the title? 
Because you got to go through the motions. Did not the apostles go through the motion? They were disciples. Jesus had to choose them. He had to set the 12 aside. They went out and they began to lay the foundation that was given to them from Jesus. And then Jesus spent 40 more days with them 12. Before he went to be with the father, 40 more days he began to talk about the kingdom of God. Why? Because he said, I want you to go out and tell them everything that I'm telling you. I want you to make sure that everything that I'm giving you, that you give it to them, they can give it to others. And it's just passing it on, just passing it on. Everybody on one accord. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be learners. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to go out and we're supposed to make disciples. Let's look at this last um, scripture. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through verse 4. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through verse 4. Verse 6. The number of followers, disciples, was growing, multiplying. Did y'all hear that? The number of followers, disciples, was growing and multiplying. Do you know why churches, huh? Oh, boy, I'm sorry. Thank you, verse 1. Sorry. I'm going to verse 6, but it is verse 1. The number of followers, disciples was growing and multiplying. Do y'all know why churches should be full? Because you're bringing people in to get disciples, to go out and make more disciples. Do you know why these people went from house to house? Because they didn't have a big enough place to hold all these people that was followers of Jesus Christ. So they were going from house to house. They had their services in their homes. So see, if this church would um, overflow, which it is, when it overflow, guess what? We have to either build a bigger church or we have to have more churches around us that's believing the same thing where that overflow can go. So this is what was happening. They said the number of followers, disciples was growing, multiplying. How does that happen? Y'all, can somebody tell me how did that happen? Anyone? Hello? Who? Disciples going out. Anybody else? Spreading the word. Anybody else? Sharing what you learn. Sheep begot who? Let me ask you sheep something. How many sheep going out and sharing? Truly sharing. How many really on your job when you have an unction, you just, and you don't have to tell them about me or Miracle Temple, but when you begin to open your mouth and you begin to, as the Holy Spirit unction you and you begin to speak, you know what people are going to ask you? Where you go? Hello, somebody. The problem is sheep are not begotten sheep. Sheep are so wrapped up in yourself. That you forgetting it's a lost world out here. God didn't open up a place for you to get taught. For you to sit down on what you get and letting people pass you by. That's going to die in their sins. How do you think T.D. Jakes and all of them got a house full of people? Anybody? They spreading the word, aren't they? Somebody, y'all. Have y'all noticed this? If somebody's having a party, how you spread the word? 
it's, it'd be quicker, Miss Mary, by word of mouth, wouldn't it? Everybody you see, hey, Miss Mary, we having something at church, and I know that it will benefit you, and you're just talking about the church. Then all of a sudden, Miss Mary go to Manny and say, Manny, I heard about this. I don't know if you heard about it, but I heard about it. Did you hear about it? And then Manny be, Jamie, did you hear? And then Jamie uh, look at Kwana and say, Kwana, I meant to tell you something. There's something going on at Miracle Temple, and I know it. Okay, enough said. Somebody got to open their mouth and spread the word. But why are we so quick to spread stuff we're doing and not spreading the word? Hey, girl, I'm going to turn it up this weekend. Did I say that right? Turn up. What is it? Help me, somebody. Y'all know the word. I don't know. What is it? Turn up. (laughs) I don't know either. I don't know either. I don't know. I don't think some of y'all know either. Turn up, turn out, whatever it is. People be telling, and I'm not going to lie to y'all. When things are happening in the house of God, you do not hear people decreeing and declaring it. But when something is happening that you think people need to know, you got flyers all over Facebook. Friends, begotten friends, and everybody showing up and didn't even get no invitation. Lord, help us. Is that truth? It's truth. People go out and decree and declare what they want to decree and declare. And they're fluent in it. Don't have a problem. The Bible says the number of followers, disciples, was growing and multiplying. And I know they was just not multiplying because of the twelve. I believe the other disciples was discipling other disciples and they began to multiply. And this is what happened. But during this same time, those days, the Greek speaking followers, Jewish Christians who spoke primarily Greek and had returned to Israel after living abroad, had an argument with, began to grumble, complain against the other followers, the speaking Jews, Christians in Israel, The Greek-speaking widows were not getting their share, being neglected, overlooked in the distribution of the food that was given out every day. So this is what happened. This This came to the 12 apostles. Let me tell you how they handled it. The 12 apostles called the whole group of followers disciples. I want to stop there together. You know what churches do? When they want to have a meeting in the church, they got the sinners up in there. They got everybody up in there saying something. They ain't even born again. The Bible said they called the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ together. The apostles called that meeting, they called the followers, the disciples of Jesus Christ, the learners, the ones that were getting taught the same thing. And this is what they said. It is not right for us to stop our work of teaching God's word, leave, abandon the word of God in order to serve tables. So brothers and sisters or brothers, um, and sisters full of wait a minute, choose seven of your own men who are good, have a good reputation, full of the spirit and full of wisdom. 
We will put, appoint them in charge of this work, responsibility, need. Then we apostles can continue, devote ourselves to prayer and to teach the ministry service of the word of God. So what they were saying is, they said, I want you to choose from among you seven men of a good reputation. This is really, um, they were referring to deacons because when you look at serve, deacons, they, they serve. They help out in the body of Christ. They, you know, minister to the needs of the poor. They help out the pastor so the pastor don't have to go out and be doing things. The deacons can do it. But they said, we want them to be full of the Holy Ghost. What they meant was, they said, we want these people lifestyle. We want to know that they're full of the Holy Ghost. They're led of the Spirit. We know they got to have the power of God upon them. But their lifestyle have to be of a good reputation. You just don't get somebody to do nothing just because they look good or just because they have money in the bank. You know about their rep. You know about their reputation. So what am I saying? First of all, you have to get disciples. Get disciples. You got to have those apostles there, those special messengers. These were the apostles of the Lamb, but we do have the apostolic in the house of God, in the body of Christ. Those are the ones that are the pioneers. Those are the ones that govern. Those are the ones with this thumb right here that can reach out to everybody else. You got to have somebody that God has to take that same foundation and make sure that the churches are doing what they're supposed to do according to what's already written. And if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, that apostle come in there and make sure order is taking place in the body of Christ. And then we make sure that the teachers, the evangelists, everybody's on one accord because everybody has to be taught in order to go out to make disciples. You just don't stay in here and get all this teaching and it's just for you. That's foolishness. Everything you get, you get it to give to others. You know what? The problem is, let's just bind the stingy spirit. We have some stingy spirits, y'all. What do I mean by stingy spirits? I know this is the Holy Ghost. You know how sometimes we get something and we look at it and we say, mine, mine. You can't have it. That's mine. God gave me that revelation. I'm not going to share it because it's mine. It is not yours. He gave you that revelation. He gave you that illumination to share. So when somebody grab hold to that illumination, they can go out and share. Because now since they grabbed hold, it's their illumination. And God is going to use them to bring it the way he want them to bring it. But we, we get stingy. This mine, this mine. I'm, I'm not going to tell nobody because I want to be the first one to say it so they'll know it, it came from me. It didn't come from you. It come from the Holy Ghost. I come up with that. Didn't that rhyme? You can't use that. It was never yours. We need to quit trying to be stingy with what we have. If I give them all that I have, then nobody won't look at me no more. That's a reject. That means you suffer from rejection. Or if I give them all what I have, they're not going to reach out to me. And they're going to be asking apostle. And then I'll be all by myself. They won't call me no more reject. Because it's not about you. It's all about him. This is his word. And we're supposed to give out the word of God. We don't want people to die in their sins. 
Because the way has already been made. We're going out to make disciples, y'all. And the teaching that you're getting, we should have a lot of people coming in, going out, making disciples of men. And that's what God wants us to do. So we want to do everything God's way and not do it our way. We can't stay in here. We got to reach out. It's a lot of people that are hungry. It's a lot of people that's crying out. And if we never stop in the grocery store while we're pushing the buggy, y'all know how long sometimes we go across them, that meat. I don't know about you. I look at my meat. Mm. Mm. Why are you looking at some meat? Say, God, I need some fresh meat in here somewhere that I can minister to. <laughs> I remember I chased the lady around in the grocery store. She didn't know I was chasing her. That's when I was scared to minister. Y'all, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. She turned down this aisle. She'll look back. I go this way. Y'all know how it is because you know you got a word, but you, you look at that, them, you're like, oh, I don't know about that one. But the Lord would have you to give them a word, and you steady chasing them down to give them the word, and then finally you come out and give them the word. But we're supposed to be in these stores saying, God, there's somebody in here that don't know you. We don't have to wait on evangelists because she ain't here. But you know when she come in here because she's going to have them stop. And nobody want to listen, but she's going to sit right there until they listen. And Brother Rick going to be like, come on, cat, come on, cat. I'm, just wait a minute, Rick, just wait a minute. But what we do is, y'all, we do it out of the love of God. I remember me and Kathy and Rick stood in a store. Y'all remember that? We was in um, Piggly Wiggly one day, and we was talking about Jesus and talking about things. And you remember we was over there on the aisle, Rick? We were just talking. Just Kathy's trying to figure me out. She don't remember that time. I ain't going to tell the conversation. If I told the conversation, you know what I'm talking about. But then it was a time we was in Altel. I loved me some Altel back then. I was in there getting my phone or getting a phone or something, and Kathy and them were sitting there by us, and the Altel rep was working on the stuff, and all of a sudden the power of God began to minister. Next thing I know, she flew in the back. I'm like, where did she go? Where did the woman go? She come out and said, I was all messed up. I had to get myself together. The Lord had me. She just left her station and went in the back. Because she said, I know that was God. And in my mind, I'm saying, all right, now hook me up. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all know what we say. Hook me up. No, don't mess me up. But she was so, you know, the Holy Spirit was so there. She said, I had to leave. I had to really get myself. Y'all, it don't matter where we are. You're going to have to open your mouth. Why is it, y'all? Y'all, I know some people say, would you just get off of Facebook? Will you just get off of Facebook? (laughs) Maybe God is trying to tell you something. Facebook is your home. You feel like you're already in heaven because if you can't pop up or pop up with you, You feel like you left out all alone. Do you wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, I forgot to snap that thing. Let me get up. The devil knew what he was doing when he made Facebook. Because people making it all about themselves. And I'm going to say this, and some people are going to be mad, but I don't care. As ministers of the gospel, we all can minister, but sometimes you use the term minister because of positions people are in. You don't need all them snapshots. 
on Facebook every time you get new clothes. Every time something is happening with your churn. It's about Jesus. It's about bringing people to Christ, not about your vacations. I'm just going to say it. People are going to be mad. Every time you turn around, it's something on Facebook except Jesus. Really, for real. If we really talked about Jesus, he'll either shut it down or charge you. If people really talked about Jesus on Facebook, I guarantee it. If you constantly, every time you open up, if you got 500 friends and you taking what God has given you and you putting it on Facebook and they're sharing it and it's going everywhere and it's going wild. Don't you know the devil will get mad and probably shut down your page? But sometimes that's the only companion people have is Facebook. They feel like that's the only, and I want to give y'all a nugget. I'm going to be honest. People on Facebook don't really like you. Don't really care about how you feel or telling you you look good and they done talked about you behind your back. Or telling you I love you and when push comes to shove, they will dish you. The only love that's real is the unconditional love, which is from Jesus Christ, that will never change on you. So we need to hold on to this word, y'all. That's what I'm saying tonight. More than we holding on to anything or anybody. And that's the only way we're going to make it in this dying world. That's the only way we can live in this world is with the word of God. Nothing else can help us like the word. So we got to dig deeper. And we got to let go of the things that we're holding on to more than we're holding on to him. So let's learn the patterns of God and the way God would have us to do things. Amen. Amen. And that's all for tonight, folks. Hallelujah. Do we have any announcements? Any announcements? I believe we have cookies for Christ. January the 18th. What time? Two o'clock. So if everybody can get that out, it's cookies. Quana, you want to tell them? <laughs>